0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: All right. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Oderico, and uh, I've got a great show for you tonight, this May 12th of 2016. We're here again on another Thursday night, uh, live here on blogtalkradio.com, and I want to thank all of you for joining us, and uh, I want to thank particularly uh, the uh, Coaches Corner panel for joining me tonight. Uh, we're just waiting for one more to jump in on here, and uh, I'm going to introduce them here in just a minute, but... Uh, in the meantime, let me just remind everybody, of course, we are live every Thursdays from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, or that's 7 to 9 for those of you on the East Coast under Eastern Time, and 4 to 6 for those of you under Pacific Time. The uh, Easiest way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com, type in in the search key up top, type in Golf Talk Live, and that will bring you to the main page. And, of course, on the live broadcast, uh, the current show is always at the top, uh, so you can tune in and listen to us live. But for some reason, if you're not able to join us during the live broadcast, not to worry. All of the programs are auto-recorded, and uh, you can go to that, uh, that link, blogtalkradio.com forward slash live, and uh, just scroll down to the On Demand section, and you'll find uh, all of the uh, previously aired programs there. They always have the most current at the top and then uh, go progressively down from there. Um, but we hope you uh, can join us live uh, each week. We always enjoy that much uh, much more. But uh, if you can't, uh, we certainly appreciate that and glad you're able to join us anyways. Uh, also, we would love to hear from you. You're welcome. We always invite uh, people to call into the show if they so wish. And uh, the number to do so is uh, area code 646-716-4667. Again, that's uh, 646-716-4667. Excuse me. Uh, or you're welcome to email any questions or comments to me personally, uh, either throughout the show or afterwards. And you can do so by reaching me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. That's my email address for the program. Uh, or if you're somebody in the golf profession and you're interested in maybe being a guest on the show, whether you're uh, a teacher, a player, coach, uh, or maybe an entrepreneur, maybe you've written a, a golf book that you'd like to share with the uh, with the audience, I'd love to have you uh, come on the program as well. and I'd be more than happy to schedule uh, a show slot for you as well. Again, you can reach out to me at ted golf at gmail.com and as i always mention every week i uh, update through social media on facebook and twitter particularly uh, also on linkedin facebook link is golf talk live blog so go to uh, facebook.com type in golf talk live blog and that's the uh, page for the show and updated every week on who's going to be on and, and so forth and you're welcome to comment or uh, or um, uh, submit any questions through that link as well and always appreciate it. if you haven't done so already Appreciate if you'd like the page while you're there. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. Thank you to all the new recent followers on Twitter. And my Twitter handle is Ted and Buck, CEO. CEO is mm-hmm. in capital letters. Uh, thanks, guys, for, for jumping in on there as well. As I mentioned, I've got a great uh, – I've uh, got a, actually a little different program tonight. Normally I have a guest following the Coach's Corner panel, uh, but I decided not to book. I had some things that I needed to do a little bit later on this evening. So we're going to have a shorter uh, broadcast tonight. It's just going to be roughly about an hour. And I've got a, a special Coach's Corner panel, a group of guys waiting here. Um, as I said, I was just waiting for the third one to come in. Hopefully he'll be able to join us. But let me just bring the other two out right now. Uh, John Hughes, of course, has been on the show many, many times. He's one of my uh, favorite guys on the panel. He's a PJ Master Professional. Uh, he's also the Vice President of the North Florida PJ Section. And he was the 2013 PJ of America Horton Smith Award uh, recipient. And he's also considered one of the top 30 instructors by Golf Tips Magazine, uh, Mr. John Hughes. Uh, also joining on the panel is Todd Elliott. Uh, he's a PGA uh, professional as well, uh, also TPI certified, and he's a head golf professional at the Hideaway Beach Club uh, down in Marco, Florida. He's also joining us, uh, Mr. Todd Elliott. And hopefully Scott will be jumping in here shortly. Uh, Scott Millman, of course, also been on the show a number of times.
0: Uh, he's a
1: master teaching professional, and he's the owner and president of uh, the Simple World of Golf, and he's also the co owner and founder at the Millman NRG Foundation of course NRG stands for No Restrictions Golf uh, Scott has a great program out there uh, originally up in the New Jersey area I believe and he's actually uh, relocating to Dallas he's helping a lot of the, many of the wounded veterans particularly that have come back and he's helping them sort of transgress if you will back into uh, their golf games um, despite some some uh, setbacks that they've had whether it be physical Uh, or emotional injuries. He's helping them with that transition. So thanks, Scott, for all of the great work that you're doing with many of those veterans. So without further ado, let me bring on, uh, for the meantime, let me bring on Mr. John Hughes and Todd Elliott. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. um, Glad you could make it. And and as always, I appreciate uh, you giving of your time. I know that uh, we're all busy with our, our daily lives and uh out there teaching and then obviously our family lives so i appreciate you guys giving of your time uh on the thursday evenings as i said i'll, I'll keep an eye out for scott hopefully he'll be able to join us and if not we'll carry on the conversation um uh, just between the group of us uh, as i mentioned uh, to you guys off air what i wanted to talk about this week is um you know there's a lot of different theories uh different approaches uh, if you will to how we teach this game and i'm, I'm going to focus on five of really um, five of the top guys out there in the industry that we hear about all the time in the media, Uh, hear about, you know, through Golf Channel and and other uh, media sources as well, Uh, just because they're the most widely known. Um, Interested in getting your take on on some of their different theories and approaches of the game. And then I want to sort of wrap it up with how you guys uh, sort of uh, approach your um, teaching philosophy, if you will, if you incorporate some of or all of or none of uh, what these guys do. So I'm going to start off uh, first on the conversation with um, Butch Harmon. And uh, one of the sort of the key elements, I've sort of put this in a point form just to keep it simple, because there's a lot of information, of course. Um, but Butch's theory basically is he believes in a sound takeaway, uh, and he obviously focuses on swing width. Uh, he's very well known for what he refers to as a compact swing. And as we know, when he worked with Tiger, he shortened his backswing considerably uh, to what it used to be. And part of the reason, of course, he explains that he does that is he feels that sometimes if the backswing gets a little bit too long, that, uh, left arm of course starts to break down and the wrists tend to overcock and it creates a myriad of problems. So let's first, uh, John, I'm going to start with you just, uh, uh, just since you, you're, um, been on the show many, many times Then Todd, I, I want to get your take on this as well. Give us just an overview of you think of, of that particular approach. To, uh, do you like it? Do you not like it? What do you like about it? Uh, and do you incorporate some of that uh, uh, analogy into your uh, teaching as well?
2: I definitely build in the, the takeaway that the, the swing's got to be started with a great takeaway because if it's not taken away in a relative easy form and, and in a relative similar position each and every time, you're you're bound to repeat some mistakes. But we got to back up a little bit mm. in that Butch is – very much a, a setup kind of person as well. He's done a whole lot, right. dating back all the way to Greg Norman, to change setup position to facilitate that takeaway and to the, and the keep the swing more compact. When you look back at Norman and his, mm-hmm. hey, well, prior to his heyday, he had a very long swing and under yep. the tutelage of Butch tended to get it compact. So, the where Butch gets his Lineage is obviously from his father, uh, who had a very short and compact swing, was very good with setup, always was in the right positions at the right time, so which allows the the swing to move correctly. Uh, from the standpoint of view, your forward arm breaking down, leading to a myriad of issues, absolutely it could for the average golfer. For the more professional or uh, world-class professional, it certainly does, but in a more microscopic way. Right. I think what the average amateur can look at from just that summation of Butch is that if you're set up correctly, if you start that club back correctly, and I, th- I think the, the common thing that most people look at is when the club is halfway back uh, is a parallel with the ground, A, and B is a parallel with the theater slightly ahead, and when we look at Ricky Fowler and how much way ahead it was before coming under Butch's tutelage, it's now mirroring those same images of Tiger, Adam Scott, uh, Greg Norman, uh, and that's uh, you can if you were to study some video of different swings, you'd see a very close simulation of all four of those golfers
1: yeah and uh, you know i, I certainly and, and uh, let me just preface this first so we, before we continue in the conversation here I, I just want to to express to the to the listeners out there that we're not advocating one over the other or saying uh you know in any way shape or form that that one necessarily approach is better than the other this is just five um professionals coaches whatever you want to uh term them as um in, in your own mind um, guys that are very well known in the industry by not just the players, but obviously uh, those in the key, uh, coaching and, and teaching side of things that have sort of a uniquely different styles in, in the way that they handle their players. Um, but there are certainly key fundamentals, of course, that they're um, applicable to, to making a good golf swing that they all certainly adhere to. And, and uh, John, you pointed that out, you know, with a good setup and that. Obviously, everything starts with a good setup. Um, before you move into the actual golf swing. So uh, certainly I don't want to give the illusion that, that, that they don't adhere to that, but they do have different approaches in that. Um, Todd, is the compact swing something that everybody uh, you know, could, uh, could grapple to, or is this something that's maybe better suited for uh, a taller player perhaps, a shorter player, uh, or does it really matter? Does it depend on the individual's um, uh, approach, or, or what do you see as far as uh, Butch's theory? Well, I would
0: answer, I guess, yes to so a lot of that. Um, you know, it, it, it could work for uh, a lot of people. I don't know if there's, uh, say, a set standard of who it does work for. But, uh, you know, I think what he's done well with some of those traits that he likes to see is that mm-hmm. he'll teach one thing out of the three to a player, let's say, a Ricky Fowler who he's trying to get the club in a certain position at the takeaway. Uh, and he'll, they'll work on that for a year you know they'll work on just that that spot uh, for a long time and he doesn't jump into other things he's not trying to teach all three of those things at once at once right but um and then you know he's got people like dustin johnson who he's not teaching that takeaway to or natalie Golbus, who's got a very different takeaway and he's not exactly Mm. teaching that. he might take another aspect and they'll work on it for a long time at least you know obviously i've never seen butch in person teach but that's what it looks like from a, a long way away and he's you know, he's grinding in that one spot who, what he thinks is going to make the swing better and bring it all together because in the end, he, he doesn't make the whole look, look totally different, even like a Jimmy Walker who he shortened up and a Ricky who he, um, uh, you know, made a little bit different in the takeaway. It still looks like they have their, you know, their own essence on the swing. So he doesn't take that away from them. So, you know, I like what he does. Um, uh, obviously he's the best motiv- maybe the best motivator in the world. And, uh, somebody who keeps his players accountable and he's really good at having good players come to see him, which is always nice as a teacher. Yeah. Uh, to make you look good. But uh, yeah, I like, I like a lot of things he does. I don't think he, you know, even though he has those things, he's not telling everybody making them all do all three of those things or four of those things right. that he really likes to see. He might pick one out.
1: Yeah. So, and and I, like I think, that. yeah. And I think that's important. I think that obviously everybody's an individual and, and we all have different. And, and the reason why I asked it and that uh, sort of framed the question that way with you, Todd, is, is you know every player is different, their body type is different. Um, what particular uh, approach might work for one player may not be as effective with another player um, simply because of their their body style and their body type. Um, some maneuverabilities in some of these swings that we're going to talk about tonight um, maybe present more of a challenge perhaps for for certain body types than others, and that's really why I wanted to bring them to the forefront because yes. there are you know there are differences and and uh, you know each of the players, and as you said. Uh, both of you said, Todd and, and, John, um, you know, Butch doesn't necessarily take all three or four components of his swing and say, okay, you're going to do all four of these. Uh, he may look at the individual and say, you know, in the case of Natalie Golbus may say, okay, this isn't the best route for you. However, um, this is something that I think it, it can be well applied to, to your, uh, your game and it may uh, result in, in success for her. Um, but that particular thing may not work with, with say tiger or somebody else. Um, so I, again, it depends on the individual and of course, and as I said, we're not advocating that one is necessarily better than the other. It's just, I I wanted to discuss something we haven't done yet on the program is sort of discuss some of the different, uh, styles and approaches that each of these uh, guys did. And then I wanted to get your take on it, what you think about it. And is there something from, uh, the Butch Harmon wheelhouse, if you will, that you like to adopt with some of your students. So, um, let's move on real quick, um, to Sean. Uh, Sean Foley, of course, I'm uh, referring to, who also uh, worked with Tiger for, uh, for a while uh, and, and certainly had some success with him. Uh, he is more of a what he classifies himself as a new generation uh, stack and tilt. In fact, he sort of advocates a, a modified version of the stack and tilt method. Uh, just to give you an idea... Uh, a little bit for those that may be not familiar with that. Uh, it's more of a front-focused weight distribution, so more of the weight tends to be at, at address, tends to be leaning more to uh, the front foot as opposed to sort of a, uh, a balance between both feet. And uh, and this sort of uh, avoids that dipping of the left shoulder and a straight back leg on the backswing. So there's, there's a lot of different things there. Um, John, I'm going to let you go first again on this here. Um, is there anything that you like about the stack and tilt? Is this something that you, you, you know, have, have considered yourself? Do you use it all in your teachings? Um, and, and maybe just an overall thought about that particular method.
2: Uh, just a real quick summation of Butch. I think the best way sure. I can summate Bush is, but, Butch is uh, if it's not fixed. If it's not broken, let's not fix it. And Dustin Johnson's the quintessential with that, with his wrist position at the top of the sling and Todd hit it right on the head, I've, I've watched Butch teach, and they do grind uh, the one thing that's really going to help the player out and grind it and grind it and grind it if needed. From a Sean standpoint of view, the other thing he's known for is the use of technology yeah. with huge, huge emphasis on D playing to the average golfer that's basically where's that club going after it's hit the ball? in relationship to your target and your swing path. Uh, And he believes that that little bit of stack and tilt or the hybrid of it that he teaches is the best to create the better D-plane. I'm not necessarily a fan of stack and tilt. Uh, 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 Andy Plummer, and I can't remember his partner's name that invented it, uh, they've done a lot. They did a lot to get it going, and Sean's their disciple of it. Uh, Mm. For the average amateur when you're talking about a reverse weight shift, the stack and tilt automatically sets them up for that. So it's, and I see probably 80 to 90 percent of the amateurs that I teach, that come through the golf schools that I contract with, or come to see me, uh, they have a hard time getting through the shot, trying to get the weight shift correct. So yeah. if they are stacked too much to the forward side. Uh, Yes, I'm certainly trying to get them a little bit more balanced out. The ones that are a little bit more uh, swing educated, they're a student of the game. Will I get into a little bit of deep playing with them? Absolutely. But from a very simplistic standpoint of view, the numbers are for us, for Todd and I, and for you to understand and be able to decipher in our heads and our responsibility is great coaches is to simplify that message to the particular client we're we're working with. At the time the the real key is taking bits and pieces from all these individuals we'll talk about today. And I I'll say it a little bit different than what you said was what about Sean Foley will work for some other people. I think when you to sum up in, in my opinion, his his philosophy is totally towards the better player. Uh, he right. doesn't have a whole lot of average people that he works with, uh, so he's he's really looking at that world-class athlete or someone real close to that who's a golfer, and for them to be able to set up and, and work what he does and asks of them, uh, it takes a lot from a physical fitness standpoint of view, and mm-hmm. as he's working with Tiger, Tiger's knee issues and ankle issues, it. There's some argument out there that some of the things Sean uh, highlighted and wanted Tiger to do probably exacerbated those injuries. That's for Tiger to determine. Uh, Sure. But I, I think as the average amateur looks at it, if you're having issues trying to strike down and get a good impact position, starting with that and then having it grow from there is fantastic You just don't want to set up there because most people will overdo it and put too much weight into that front side,
1: causing the reverse
2: weight shift.
1: Yeah, great point, John. Um, Todd, let me ask you, just to to continue on that thought, um, is the stack and tilt method something um, for those that maybe are a little more challenged with with executing a proper weight shift? I'll give you an example. Um, Very tall players, particularly – um, I, I'm considered, you know, I'm six foot four, so I'm a tall player. Most of my height uh, is in my legs. One of the issues I had growing up, uh, being such a tall player, was a lot of uh, sometimes too much lateral movement. Um, is a stack and tilt a good method for maybe a taller player that gets too much lateral uh, weight shift and too much movement, in other words, too much legs involved into their swing? Uh, would that be a good method, do you think, to, to help uh, that particular student with? Um, maybe the feel of stack and tilt or the ideal of it,
0: but uh, mm-hmm. maybe the actual concept getting into the actual positions that the pictures show, or they want you to have, I, I would say that would be difficult for most to hit the ball from, from that position. In my opinion. Um, I mean, I, I'm somebody who deals with a lot of people who don't swing the club very, very fast. So a second right. tilt, um, you know, is not, something i do a lot of just because they teach a lot of shaft lean and impact and things like that and sure people uh, can't hit it four feet off the ground with that impact position because the speed is not there to create the loft so um you know i probably have a little bit skewed view of it just because of the like like john said sean's teaching people you know very fast high swing speed players uh so if they can get the shaft lean forward on the irons and somewhat neutral maybe straight up and down on the driver they're going to Get a lot out of it, but uh, you know, I don't find it as an advantageous position for most people. I like somebody, you know, we're talking about. And when Sean was doing the DVDs, he was talking about weight, and now we've discovered, you know, pressure is different and things like that. And I'm no expert on it. I don't work with a body track, but I do study it. And and, and even though he might have been talking about weight, he, you know, we still might be getting the pressure on the back foot. So it's a it's a complicated issue. Exactly what they're You know what they were teaching weight, and now we know it was pressure, and how they are different, and how you teach it. So I mean, you know, who knows exactly what they're teaching on their range right now?
1: Yeah, Um, you know, the reason why I and and I agree, uh, guys, well said both of you. Um, You know, again, just to to sort of back up for a second, I'm not the purpose of this discussion tonight is not to, um, you know, emphasize one uh, method or theory over the other, but just to really look at the fact that, um, and, and these guys really prove it that. You know, no one swing fits everybody. There, there's many options out there, and you really have to, um, with working with your, your professional out there, um, whether it be a teacher professional or or a coach, if you're in that uh, that level, um, you know, you really need to take a look at, at a lot of different options um, that are going to work with you and not just sort of because you hear so-and-so is doing this or you see somebody on uh, on the PJ tour, LPJ tour, doing a specific method that that necessarily is going to work for you. So you really have to, through that assessment pro, uh, process in the beginning with working, especially with a new uh, teacher, um, you know, you really need to sort of look at all the aspects and, and then fi- find one or find a, uh, a method, if you will, that works best for your, for your particular body and, and uh, your abilities and things like that. Uh, I want to move on to uh, our next uh, swing guru, if you will, and that's, of course, Hank Haney. Uh, and Hank has uh, again something a little bit different. Uh, and again, just let me uh, emphasize that uh, you know all of these guys certainly um, will emphasize on you know good sound fundamentals, uh, grip and stance and posture and all of that. But they do have different ways that they approach it. And One of the things, and I'll, I'll give you verbatim what what Hank uh, uh, his core philosophy is uh, in his own words, and that is to teach his students to become their own best teacher by getting to understand the flight of the ball and how it relates to the swing uh, with emphasis on swinging the golf club uh, on their own correct swing plane. So essentially, you know, what he's saying, and Todd, I'm going to start with you this time. And then John, I'll let you wrap up uh, on, on Hank Haney really essentially what he's saying is he wants them to understand um, when the ball reacts a certain way, what's causing it. So sort of a cause and effect and helping the student understand that so they can do a little bit of their own self-diagnosis. Is this a good thing? Do you think, um, or is this something that's going to confuse them further?
0: I, I think it's a great thing. I think, uh, you know, it, and probably heard him with Tiger Tiger, you know, he wanted him to kind of coach himself towards the end, but, uh, and be self-diagnosis and Tiger, you know, you know Hank was, he only taught Tiger that was his full-time job, but, um, yeah, I think the students should know uh, the difference, and sometimes they don't. They can't even depict uh, what a shot is. You know, they'll pull it and call it a hook, uh, and they need right. to know the difference between that. And they need to know the, how the ball flies. I think teaching people the D plane uh, is is really essential, and I and I've gotten arguments with people about that. Some disagree because it's you know it's all physics and it's a lot of information. But I work with pretty smart people who've done pretty well in their life, and they can understand a little a little physics. So I, I think it's very, very important. Uh, Hank goes about it a little differently than I do, how to, how to change those flights. But, um, you know, I think it's important and then I think it's important for the student to figure a little bit out on their own, how to hit all those flights. And he works really well with that. He does really nice job of having all the students hit what he calls the nine ball flights, you know, and work, mm. work like that. I think, I think that's a great thing.
1: Yeah, I, I do as well. Um, John, what about you? Um, Hank's approach, uh, sound um sound approach do you think uh, what do you like about it? Is there things from his uh sort of philosophy if you will that you've adopted for your own over the years as a, as a master teacher professional
2: well as far as trying to teach the client to be their own best coach, that dates back to uh Jim Flick and Bob Tosky with the digest schools dating about forty five years now uh where that all came from and, and that's something. That I was taught through Mr. Flick to try to instill in my students to have them understand ball flight and the cause and effect, and it's always a golf lesson's a golf lesson. A golf coach is going to provide more than just why am I doing this. Uh, mm-hmm. They're going to teach you why they're doing it uh, and, and how to correct it. So yeah, I I do take some things from Hank that way. Uh, he's probably. The argument can be made to paraphrase to find somebody's own swing plane. He's basically saying that he's a believer in a single swing plane versus a two plane swing, which mm. uh Jim Hardy argues about in his book and Jim Hardy and Hank are good friends, good acquaintances, and they've they've rubbed off on each other that way. <laughs> uh, there's no doubt that that the more efficient swing is, the more one plane swing. <clears throat> But I think where Hank is coming from that I try to have my clientele understand is that you're only capable of doing it to your capability, to your potentiality. So let's explore that potentiality and what that is. And there's no necessary standardization of what the measurement may be. It is up to you and how you stand to the ball. Some people are going to be a little bit more upright. Some people are going to be a little bit more flat if they understand what flat's going to do to a ball, or what upright's going to do to a ball, and then they're able to make their adjustments and diagnose midway through the round what's <clears throat> going on that's what we all owe our clientele to have a better understanding of
1: yeah uh, again, well said, both of you. I think what I take away from from hank's approach that i I really like about it is the fact and and I think that some people you know at, at sort of first hearing um You know, what I said in the beginning about what he's trying to his sort of core philosophy is um, certainly make no mistake that he's not trying to um, say, well, you don't need um, professional help. Once you're sort of taught, that's it. You can go about your merry way. But I think he wants to have the students have a general understanding of sort of that cause and effect, why things are reacting the way they are. And, you know, as you said, John, you know, whether your swing is more upright or more flat you know, why the ball reacts the way it does under under these different conditions. Um, he certainly doesn't want people tinkering with, with that when they're out in the golf course uh, playing it around, but it, it, it certainly can help you to understand a little bit and also helps, I think, communications between student and coach. A lot of times, I think, uh, especially for new students, they're a little confused. They don't understand. And I think having a little bit of that knowledge, um, you know, can certainly work as a positive and a negative. I mean, a negative, I think sometimes if students have too much information, um, you know, they, they tend to be their worst, uh, their own worst enemy because they're always questioning and, and uh, you know, the judgment of the coach. But at the same time, I think having a general knowledge and understanding of why uh, the ball reacts the way it does under certain uh, conditions, I think it it certainly can be a good thing. And, uh, you know, I agree with, with both of your answers. I think there's some great things to take out of this, but again, as I said with the other two, um, you know, no one method or swing is, is going to fit everybody. And I think that's why there's uh, so many different approaches to the game. So really you have to uh, really sit down and, and talk with your, your golf professional, your, your teacher professional or coach uh, and really formulate a game plan that's going to work best for you. Um, let's move on to our, our good uh, friend from across the sea. Uh, if you will, originally, certainly over here in the U S now, but uh, Mr. David letter Leder- uh, excuse me. Um, one of the things that uh, we go back into, uh, I guess, around the 80s, uh, late 80s, early 90s, of course, we remember him working with Nick Faldo uh, and often referred to as the machine. And one of the unique things about David Ledbetter and his philosophy really can be summed up uh, this way is uh, golf swings are like fingerprints. No two are the same, which is essentially what I was just saying. Uh, he's most notably hailed for his uh, invention of the A swing. Uh, and, and in a nutshell, the A swing is is another option for those unable to successfully master uh, some of the conventional approaches that, that we may uh, come across. Uh, its uh, fundamental elements include proper grip, athletic posture, and well uh, practiced pivot, uh, sequentially synchro- synchronized, excuse me, uh, positioning of the club and body, and lastly, an overall observance of the individual player's natural rhythm. So essentially, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get you set up, um, as they all are, in a proper position and then letting that individual's natural flow and rhythm of their own body which again was essentially what I was trying to say um sort of help get in the way of of what he's trying to teach them. So uh, again um John I'll let you back up I'll let you go this time and then and then Todd um thoughts on on David's approach to uh, to his method.
2: Well, I got to preface my any statement I make about David by saying <laughs> he's a he's a personal friend. Uh, right. he's he's in my neck of the woods, and I do bump into him quite a bit and have conversations with him about anything under the sun beyond just teaching golf. Right. Uh, you have to look at David, and I've actually said this to him, and he's agreed that he's Phil Ritson with marketing. And if anybody remembers the name Phil Ritson, a South African, right. extremely talented instructor who's still living in this area, still teaches on occasion, uh, David is one of his first protégés that he brought here to the United States when he was a director of golf at Disney. Uh, and then from there, David went on to uh, be at Greenleaf at the Andy Bean Studios, not too far from where I live. And from there, figured, hey, he had to latch on to someone. So it was actually Nick Price was really the first person that he latched yep. on to, and Faldo came right after. But Faldo made the biggest splash, per se because of his roboticness, his, his uh, adaption to so much being almost perfect. Uh, yeah. I think David to this day will say, you know, the, the object was to never make him perfect. That's something that Sir Nick did on his own.
1: But sure.
2: The way you described wherever you pulled those phrases out from mm. is Phil Ritson to a T and and he, he does oh he's he and I have talked about it. A lot of what Phil Ritson and David Ledbetter do are are basically trying to find how that person swings naturally, try to hone it, try to put it into perspective with emphasis on posture, alignment and a somewhat neutral grip is the way I would say. He doesn't necessarily teach the strong grip that's being taught today. And I right. applaud him for sticking with his guns that way. Uh, the the fallacy to David is that everybody felt like, you know, here's this, he's the first theory guy. He's the first guy that's put everything into a box and he sort of unpacked the box, A, B, C, D, E, and yep. then put it all together in that same order. Quite the contrary. It's just, that's the way marketers put things together. I've I've watched David teach. Um, I've listened to him at several seminars. <laughs> uh, I've had a beverage with him. And I think what you'll find as you go forward, you see him age, is that he'll probably start sticking back to some of his older guns as far as let's really hone positions, similar to Butch. Let's hone right. some positions that are going to ma- make you most efficient, Based on certain criteria, he he is a stickler for posture, and and he has his reasons for it because he feels like that's going to provide a better plane. Uh, but it ha- has he has he produced a lot of winners? Absolutely. Uh, I've actually been uh, quoted as saying, hey, if it wasn't for him, there wouldn't be an A6 or an A14 classification. Within the PGA, that would afford me the ability to teach full time. uh, Because if it wasn't for him and his marketing prowess, his ability to sell Swing Aids and books, and and be that poster child force, uh, some of us wouldn't have positions. Do I adapt a lot of what he says? Some of it. I'm I'm sort of the. uh, I would call myself a Heinz 57 of everybody, which I'll surmise <laughs> later in the call. Yeah. But as far as a posture standpoint of view, I never really put a lot of emphasis on posture until I had some deep discussions with them. And now I try to get my better players in a much better posture. And with the not-so-good players, I try to have them understand what something shoulders do and what right. a, a poor spine tilt may or may not do. And, and it, can they hold that spine tilt? because that, in theory, is going to change your swing center in more dimensions than just one.
1: Right. Well said, and, and, uh, and thank you for, for sharing uh, some of that about David. Uh, and you're exactly right. Um, you know, Todd, one of the things that, that John had just mentioned, you know, about working with, uh, with uh, Sir Nick Faldo, of course, being very, um, and I hate to use this word, but really essentially he was very robotic, uh, in his movements, he was uh, a big stickler for, for getting into that. You know, if you ever watched any of the videos, the two of them together, um, you know, Nick certainly, as well did David in his discussions, emphasized a, a very athletic position uh, at the setup. Um, and, of course, Nick was, was very athletic himself, uh, kept himself in great shape. You know, one of the things uh, that John also mentioned, too, with some of the, uh, if you're working with some of the older players, it's not always easy to get them into that perfect position because their posture, uh, just because of age, and so forth. So there's some things that you have to sort of make modifications. Um, what do you think about what uh, sort of David's approach to things? Um, any, any thoughts or comments there? And is there anything in his uh, way of thinking, if you will, that you adopt sometimes with some of your students? Well,
0: John covered a lot there, and it's uh, obviously knowing him personally and seeing him teach. I think a, a lot of this, my views on the five gentlemen we're talking about or going to mm-hmm. talk about, um, you know, it would change if I saw him in person. I mean, David sure. obviously is the, the best market and businessman that's ever uh, taught, ever, <laughs> that I that I that at least I can think of. Right. Um, and he puts himself out there and puts his, Uh, thoughts out there is kind of this is the way to do it and you're going to get a lot of negative feedback because of that now uh, maybe if you I bet if John when he watches him go uh, teach him uh, see him teach on the range it's not exactly that way he's probably taught everybody differently and it's a lot different but right uh, you know he grew up in a he came in he came in a 2d world uh, and so a lot of the people who are studying 3ds have a lot of problems some of the things that we're looking at in 2d but you know, that's what – he was very inventive in 2D in the positions that we saw on camera, and he was very good at it. And I take away a lot of it. You know, the club face is supposed to be in certain positions. Uh, and I'm glad that he's adapted, and I think he, he keeps learning. And I think I've learned more about, you know, how, you how know, <laughs> and I'm branding myself. I'm a head golf professional, not a teach professional, but you can uh-huh. still brand yourself to the members in a very good way, and David is definitely the leader in that.
1: Yeah, and, and that's exactly right. You know, again, guys, the thing that, that I really want to emphasize here uh, again, it's not to advocate that any any one's theory or approach to the game is is necessarily better than any any one others. Um, certainly, David is is a master at, at branding himself, but there he has the one good thing about it is it, it's not a flash in the pan. He's not a, a certainly a showman in the sense that um, you know what he says doesn't have merit. Um, you know, it's kind of like having that sizzle in the steak. You can throw a steak on the grill, um, but if if it doesn't, you know, get cooked properly, it's not a very good steak. So David can certainly back up a lot of what he talks about. You know, obviously there's always going to be disagreement within the industry. Um, Somebody might like a a different approach or somebody might uh, believe in a different theory or or a discussion, but, um, you know, these guys, obviously one thing they do have in common is they are very knowledgeable about um, the golf game. They understand um how to bring the best you know the best of their students and uh oh sounds like we got a biker in the background there but <laughs> anyways um you know they have a, an ability to uh to be able to bring really the best out of their students that they've worked through and and that's why they're they're all successful um i, I want to bring in uh on the, the last one we're going to talk about and then we're going to sort of revolve around to to both of you and and, uh, myself a little bit and just talk about some of the things that that we try to do to help our students. The last one, of course, that I'm talking about is Jim McLean, who, again, is is certainly uh, branded himself very well. And and he's really, and I'll give you sort of a a brief uh, synopsis as well, he sort of talks about the slot swing uh, and also uh, 25% theory. Uh, One of the things that he's an advocate of mastering key swing fundamentals through Uh, various inventive practice drills, and and he's designed them, uh, you know, around that. His 25% theory is structured around unique strategies for the long game, short game, mental game, and, of course, management, uh, golf management. Uh, It also happens to be uh, one of the central teaching aspects used at his schools. One of the things that he talks about is the slot swing and essentially what that means is it requiring a player to drop the club shaft into what he refers to as an imaginary slot box um, during the mid uh, part of the downswing, allowing them uh, to be able to move along an inside out path towards the ball. Um, You know, this is again, maybe might be deemed more of an an older theory by some. Uh, Some have different ways of approaching it. Uh, Todd, I'm going to let you start this one off. What are your thoughts on on Jim McLean's uh, approach to the game uh, getting it and sort of dropping it into that slot?
0: Well, I, I definitely think when you're teaching in 2D, uh, dropping in the slot is, is important for most players. I don't think, you know, a lot of players can recover if they get it outside that slot, even though you'll have people on tour with uh, not clubs in that slot. But I do think it's beneficial for the average player to have it in that slot uh, halfway down, or you know, I guess that's about halfway down where he's, He's uh, calling that slot, uh, you know, down the line on a 2D D, a two view. Um, you know, I've learned a lot from Jim just about how he continues to educate himself, I think, more than anything uh, other than the slot. I mean, he he's always seems to be the first one to test out anything that I've seen technology-wise come out, track man, body track, things like that. He seems to be on the forefront of education, which is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's what I've learned the most from him for sure.
1: Yeah, and and just to, to sort of cap off too, really his his core philosophy is based around the idea that there's really m- more than one way to play and, and even teach the game. And, uh, you know, he's, as I said along the way here, he he really focuses on the individual player's needs and abilities. So he's not trying to lump everybody into one box and saying, you've got to play this way or else. Um, you know, he looks at the individual. He tries to take, as, as uh, John, I think you said and, and uh, Todd as well uh, earlier on about Butch, you know, he doesn't necessarily take you know three or four components and say, okay, you've got to do all of these in order to be successful. Uh, he sometimes will focus on certain key elements and work you know diligently with that with the particular player based on on their particular skill and, and abilities. Um, John, what about Jim McLean? Your thoughts on him? Uh, you know, and his approach to it, uh, sort of again, as Todd put that sort of 2D format, uh, getting it into a slot. Is that something that that in today's game uh, is still applicable? Uh, Or is it something that's kind of, again, more old school?
2: Todd, I think you'll appreciate this when I say that the slot was the very first 3D image that the average golfer could visualize to bring their club down to the ball within. So the argument could be made that Jim McLean was the first guy trying to teach at 3D. When you look at X Factor and the eight different positions, I totally agree with what you're saying there, Ted, that he doesn't necessarily try to lump everyone in, but giving these eight different positions and the camera angle from above the head to see how the shoulders and the hips create an X and how you're trying to maintain that X through impact, that's all three-dimensional. And It was something that mm-hmm. the average golfer up until the time he put that out there really probably had no vision of. They, they couldn't envision that within themselves. Uh, so you got to hand him a little bit of credit there. A lot of where his fundamentals come from is from the digest schools having cut mm-hmm. his teeth as a teacher with those picking balls for Mr. Flick and Mr. Love and Mr. Toski and Mr. Grout as they started things. Uh, right. He's certainly been influenced by the Chuck Cooks of the world and uh, some other ones that he always gives homage to. The the real thing that I try to that I took from Mr. McLean early on, and I've met him several times and talked to him is the slot because you can on a range with some alignment sticks, show the slot and and have somebody understand what that's about versus say always having to pull the video out and show them uh, right so that I've been using that for a long, long time. It's something that I just said, you know what? If I'm going to use it on video, how can I use it out on the golf course or out on the range with somebody? Uh, I would call Mr. McLean marketer number two. There's one A, which is David, and one B is Jim. Uh, And uh, I give just as much credit to him to elevate the positions out there that that full-time teachers have because it wasn't for for those two. Uh, We certainly wouldn't have such a – a good job to go to every day.
1: Yeah. uh, And, and again, um, both of you well said, let me ask you both this question. Uh, You know, we've, we've now covered all five of the players and I, and I want to get your thoughts on this and, and um, Todd, I'll, I'll I'll let you uh, jump in here first and then John, and then we'll, we'll flip it back the other way uh, in the next question. But um, given the, the technology and given the advancements that we now understand in the golf industry, what differences do we see on the PGA? And I'm going to stick with the PGA tour. I mean, it's obviously throughout all tours, but let's stick with the PGA tour. Um, if you compare today's uh, golf professional that's out on tour, compared to, say, the day, in the day of, of players like Nicholas and Palmer and, and Trevino and all of those guys, obviously the most notable is the swings are much different looking Um, than what we saw in their day and and approached differently. But as far as as scoring and and all of that, what are the differences between today's players? Um, Is there a big difference? Is there a big gap between what the players were uh, back that time as far as scoring and and that to today's player? Um,
0: I would think those players were just as great, in my opinion. Uh, Obviously a different time. And I think the, the, the time from there to now is just the knowledge of performance and all the webs that it takes to get great performance from nutrition to mental, I'm not saying they didn't know mental back then, but n- nutrition. Sure. And then, you know, work, working out and, and the, like CPI thing that I'm a part of, you know, getting golf specific fitness, working on mobility and stability and power and speed and, and definitely uh, tailored to the person's body. And I think it's uh, I just think that's the the change and people are building what they call a team around them. Sorry for the noise. I'm right next to a road. So sorry about that. That's okay. That's but, okay. Um, Yeah. There's it, a bike every once in a while, but anyway, you know, you either hear Jordan Speed talk and it's always wee 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 and uh, I, I love it, but just because he has a team, he has a chiropractor back home. He's 21 mm. years old and everybody's like, Oh, he's got a chiropractor. Well, you know, that's what it is. That's what, that's what an athlete has to go through. Um, he right. has a team around him of many, many people. And um, I'm not saying that they didn't have that before. I'm just not knowledgeable of it, of all the webs and all the knowledge that these players are getting. And you talk to a person like Brandel Chambly or hear him talk on Gob Channel, he thinks sometimes it's too much information. And I just, right. I just think that's hogwash, actually. I think the better, the more information um, or the correct information, not just because – There's all these people around him. Doesn't mean they're telling him all day long what to do or how to. But they're telling him very specific, knowledgeable information that's going to help him with that person very specifically. And I think that's the difference.
1: Well, and and and, uh, again, well said, John. I think really, if I understand what Todd is saying, you know, if you look at today's tour player, they're more like the CEO of the company, and all of these people surrounding them are like the, uh, you know board of directors and the executive staff, if you will, that are, are presenting him or her uh, with certain key information, and it's still up to the CEO to make the decision on whether they want to move forward uh, or not in that direction. Um, essentially, is that what the difference is, do you think? One of the differences in today's game uh, from what it was uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago?
2: From, uh, having, a,
1: having, a pos-
2: from having a posse, a team, sure. The, the- I agree with Matt that when you listen Todd. to Jordan Spieth or Jason, I'm sorry, Todd. Uh,
1: yeah.
2: When you when you hear them speak about we, that that is summarizing what they're trying to get accomplished. The CEO, I would tell you, Jack Nicklaus, Gary Player, Arnold Palmer, Billy Casper, all those guys were the CEOs of their de- de- uh their destined uh, journey as well. They just had fewer pieces to the puzzle, fewer board members per se. But mm-hmm. when it comes to envisioning and mental, Nicholas is sort of a guy giving credit for a lot of the things that he shared that people just weren't putting out there. And that, in the early 60s to mid-60s, it was controversial to envision your ball flight, but yet everybody did it. He just took the wild step to tell a newspaper reporter. Uh the the equipment's changed. So with the change sure. in equipment, it's required a better athlete. Quite honestly, uh, right. I think a lot of the the players that Todd and I deal with on a day in day out basis benefit from the change in technology and equipment. Very similar to say NASCAR. NASCAR is sort of the proving ground for the for the uh, the motor uh, automobile. And manufacturers and some of that right. has trickled down, so we get the same thing in golf. But at the same time, modern day balls, modern day clubs, they're they're made for speed, power, agility, mobility, and and we we have to be real careful with that. And I think because of that technology change, you do see more buff, more fit, more mentally tough, more nutritionally fit athletes it has gone from from the the guy who could hang out at his club and trounce everyone day in day out and then get lucky and make a Monday qualifier and win and the next thing you know his path of of uh faith is there playing the tour to you know what there's thousands of athletes out there trying to get hundred and twenty five coveted spots,
1: yeah. Um you know it, it's interesting i was as as both of you were talking here i was just sort of you know going through my mind you know when you look at some of the the older players that, w- that were mentioned like uh, again nicholas and and palmer and, and Billy casper and, and many of the others you know really when you think about it um you know in today's game of course you've got uh, the sports psychologist but uh uh you know and the nutritionist, but really most of those guys Um, that fell under one umbrella, and that was their spouse. Their spouse was the one that really helped them. I mean, Nicholas talks about uh, Barbara all the time, and, of course, uh, Arnie, uh, and and with his first wife, Winnie, um, you know, were there and were big supporters of of these guys out on tour, and, and, uh, you know, Billy Casper's wife as well. Um, You know, that was their sports psychologist, if you will. That's who helped them through uh, the rough times was their family and, and their support system. That was their support system. Um, you know, now with, with the, tr- the the tour players traveling as much as they do, uh, it's not always convenient. Many of them do try to take their families with them. But um, in today's busy world, a lot of the families sometimes are doing other areas. You know, Phil Mickelson's a good example. Uh, certainly his family has traveled with him over the years. But there's a lot of times when, especially when his, uh, when his wife was uh, ill there battling cancer, uh, you know, she was at home while he was off playing and, and many times, um, so, you know, he didn't have that, that close connection week in, week out. Sometimes when he was playing, he had to, uh, rely on others to, to help him, uh, you know, with that transition, uh, throughout the round. Um, you know, the other thing guys that I just want to very quickly get to, and then I want to give you uh, each a moment to really sort of sum up, uh, your approach to things. Um, you know, one of the other things too, that I, that I think that the average player needs to understand, because there has been some struggles, over the last decade with with these handicaps you know a lot of players say well geez i'm not getting any better despite you know all this technology john that you just pointed out and all of the theories that are out there why am i not getting better um some thoughts on that why are the players today and i'm not talking about the tour players of course i'm talking about some of these uh, high handicap amateurs out there um what is really in your opinion the core reason that a lot of people are just not getting better what is it they're doing or not doing um, that's that's advocating that, uh, John. I'll let you start first, and then Todd.
2: I was going to defer to Todd because he's a head oh, okay. pro.
1: He's he's at a club. Okay, All right. right.
2: And, and I don't I don't mean to put you on the spot, Todd, but I, I think he can better <laughs> yes, he answer does. this from the average he, he, guy.
1: Don't don't listen yeah. to him, John's, John's throwing it. you under the bus. <laughs>
0: no, I'll
1: take. I'm just it. I'll, waiting I'll, I'll for
2: him to. It. I'm just waiting for him to finish the
1: beverage.
0: <laughs> Go ahead, uh, Todd. Yes. So it, it's real simple to me. I, I don't think people. I think people are getting better. I think uh, slightly. Uh, I think technology has helped many people, and golf is, is made more fun by technology. But uh, the course designers and the mm-hmm. organizations that run some of the courses and the T links uh, that the link the Ts that people play is the number one reason uh, that on stats they're not getting better. In my personal opinion. Um, I think the baby boomers are at your clubs They're a little bit older And they yeah. still want to play the member tees And the member tees are Almost twice as what How long they should be playing So you got people who are playing 6,500 yards Who can't hit the drive over 200 yards Obviously at yeah. Ford and all these uh, programs Have highlighted this many times over But I think it's still a problem I think uh, having the tees that are not numerical, they're, they're uh, a color, which is like the red. Nobody guy will go up to the red because that's a ladies' tee. You know, yeah. just if, I've, if I had a conversation with somebody who was having a struggle with that, I'd say take the red tee, put it on the tips, you know, just change them all around. Make the colors all different. Print yourself some new scorecards and go. Because uh, if people play the tee that they're supposed to play, or I say where they, I believe they would have the most fun, the scores would go down and you'd see the numbers go down. And hopefully we'd
1: have more golfers, in my opinion. Yeah, I I agree with that and and, uh, a lot of that. John, what about you? I mean, obviously you work with a a lot of uh, different variety. Uh, You work with some very highly talented uh, players, and then you obviously uh, have some in the mix there as well that are still uh, struggling with their game. What are some of the things that, in your opinion, do you think are, are, are causing Uh, You know, players maybe not to improve. We know that there's good teaching out there. We know there's good, uh, you know, some fantastic instruction out there. It's not. We know it's not that. Um, But despite the equipment, there's still a lot of people out there struggling. What are some of your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I'd say Todd hit on spoke number one. And there's probably as far as moving the tees forward or playing a tee that's appropriate for you. That's that's number one. Uh, number two, and I don't mean to throw anyone out there under the bus, but if you're going to come to somebody and take a lesson or want to improve, mm. you've got to take ownership of that and spend yeah. some time outside of that lesson to work on the various things that you learned and try to ingrain them. Because we just <clears throat> I've said this on the show many times, if I had Cheech and Chong's Magic Dust, I certainly would not be tossing it on you. I'd be tossing right. it on me. And and you've got to go out there and dig into your pockets deep and find your magic dust and and work a little bit. It doesn't take a lot. I tend to give five-minute things people can do at home when it comes to mobility and and being able to work on things, say, in the office. Uh, But you've got to do that. And then I'm going to throw Todd, me, and you under the bus a little bit. I think there's a lot being overtaught. I think there's a ton being overtaught. And when – and you and I have had this conversation before, Ted, that if we can just take some of the things that we see and make them more simple and make them more fun and more engaging, I think we'd see handicaps come down. With all the technology that's out there, better agronomic practices, which means the courses are in better shape, there's more and more and more cheaper opportunity for people to play – The the very last thing is time. The the fourth spoke in that wheel is time. And not necessarily from a practice standpoint of view, just time to be patient with yourself, that things just don't happen overnight, that you're not the best attorney or the best accountant or the best brain surgeon, and it just flickers right then and there. It does take some time. It takes some experience. It takes learning from your mistakes. And if you're not out there learning from your mistakes and understanding the data that you're getting from that, those four things, forward T, practice, take ownership of your game, find a person that's going to simplify it for you, and then be patient with yourself. Your handicap will come down. You, the that last ingredient is where I see a lot of people fail because it, we're a society, Western civilization is a society of instant gratification Golf yeah. can offer that to you. You just gotta follow the directions.
1: Yeah, well said, and and uh, I, I can certainly say, and I'm, I'm sure Todd would as well. We don't mind getting thrown under the bus because you know we 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 agree with you in that respect. You know, I think sometimes in 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 any profession, I think if you over um complicate things it it makes it more of a a challenge for for people to absorb and learn that Uh, i I just want to add a few thoughts on on what you both were talking about um and and my um, sort of position on on why i think a lot of golfers out there are struggling so much with their game first and foremost there's a lot of golfers out there um that aren't having fun Um, one of the reasons is because it's, it's become so difficult for them and they're confused. And and again, just because of what you just said, John, I think sometimes over teaching, um, and that doesn't mean necessarily the, the amount of teaching, but sometimes too much information is given and it's complicating and confusing the students. But I think one of the, the main reasons, um, if I was to sort of flip the dial back, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago to today, I think one of the main reasons that a lot of golfers, um, are struggling is is time management. I think too many people uh, don't have the time or are not willing to allocate sufficient time, and I'll use that word sufficient time, um, towards their golf game. They've got too many other activities. There's too many other draws on their attention. Um, You know, we all remember growing up, you know, uh, for those that have kids or or those obviously when we were kids that played different sports and and were on different teams and things like that. um, You know, parents at that time... Uh, certainly some parents were very active and very aggressive, but I can remember and I can speak for myself, and this is no ill will to more, It's my parents. Um, they didn't always have uh, or weren't always able to attend every single game um, or event that I was in. And, you know, as much as I might have wanted to them at the time, you know, they had other things. They had their own lives as well, and they were certainly very supportive. In today's society, I think parents are trying to be so involved uh, in, in what their children are doing that they're not taking time to sort of, uh, you know, be involved in their own lives. There's just so many draws on their attention. And I think in order to be a good golfer, you have to be willing to commit a reasonable amount of time. Not, not just taking lessons, but you also have to commit time in applying what you're being taught. Um, there's no point in coming to John or Todd or Ted and saying, you know, help me with my game and then for the next three weeks or two weeks, whatever it happens to be between the next lesson, you do absolutely nothing to work on some of the, the stuff that we're teaching you. Um, you might as well just, you know, sign over the check and, and we'll all retire down here in Florida and uh, be on our merry way. And you can just kiss that money goodbye or go out and buy yourself a, big, a bigger TV and sit at home and watch um, the pros play and don't bother working on your game and just, you know, let it go that way. Uh, and I think that's one of the big reasons. There's certainly a lot of technology, as you guys both pointed out. There's certainly a lot of great uh, philosophy and teachings out there. But I think the average person is just not willing to um, allocate uh, or has not been willing to allocate the time necessary to improve. Um, they're, they're looking for this quick fix. John, something else that you pointed out was you know, being accountable, uh, not just for the person, but also you know, people are going on the Internet and they're looking for all kinds of swing tips from people that maybe really have no business, uh, you know, giving these swing tips. And so they're, they're getting all of this information uh, thrown at them from every form you can imagine. And, you know, then when they go and take a legitimate golf lesson, they've got bombardment from all of these different social media networks and sites and things like that, that they get confused. And I, I think that as, as a profession, I think that we need to acknowledge um, and, and be honest with ourselves John as you put out about over teaching I think that's one area that we have to look at but I think we also have to recognize um, that if we're going to help these people they've got to be willing to take some time themselves and reciprocate by giving us the, the required time not just in a lesson but also in between lessons and working on the fundamentals that we're teaching them otherwise they're not going to improve agree, disagree, any, any comments either one of you? I agree. No comments. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I, I, what a great way to to wrap up the segment. Then, now let me. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to to go off on there, but you know, I, I think it's important. I think we we all understand in in this business. I think we understand that uh, you know we're doing everything. One thing that, and I, I just going to sort of a pet peeve of mine. And John, you you know, you both talked about this, but John, you particularly said about you know moving up, uh, you know, in the the a closer tee, you know, uh, Todd, you mentioned that as well about uh, some of the guys not wanting to play from the red tees because it's, you know, labeled the ladies tees and so forth. But, um, you know, one of the other things that, that's a bit of a pet peeve of, of mine is um, I think that the industry has taken a little bit of a, a bad approach in trying to get people out playing. Uh, I'll give you a good example tonight before we came on the air. You know, I'm always getting bombarded with emails from different sources and, uh, you know, I'm seeing these, you know, 80% off tea times. Um, you know, you, you can't be giving away – if the, if that's what you're doing to get people to come out and play, um, you're going to be out of business. And I think this is part of the reason why uh, a number of courses have shut down over the years. Obviously, the recession has, has hurt a lot of businesses, but, you know, you can't be giving away the shop. And I think there's also uh, even teach professionals that have come out there that have tried to, you know, cheapen the lessons so much – um, that the, the, they just can't make a living and that's not the way to do it either I think we have to educate um, not just with theories and, and approaches we have to educate the consumer and make them understand that if they truly want to get better it's a commitment on both parts it's a commitment on the teacher professionals part or coaches but it's also a commitment on the students part as well if they really want to truly get better then they have to make a commitment as well and spending the time outside of the lessons working on the things that we're giving them uh, agree, disagree? I agree. I
2: don't disagree. (laughs) I I don't disagree that that's a whole nother show in itself.
1: Yeah, I know. I know.
2: Integrity and education.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I agree. (laughs) Um, Let's uh, let's close it off this way, I think. uh, And guys, again, I appreciate you giving of your time. Uh, John Hughes and and Todd Elliott, thank you very much, as always, for for coming on the show. I think it was an interesting discussion tonight. We talked about um you know some of the uh the, the coaches out there and the, and the teacher professionals out there that have some different approaches to the game and i like uh the answers that you gave uh certainly uh, both complimentary but also uh you know not too critical but certainly uh gave people something to think about um let's just take a quick moment if you will both of you uh todd i'll let you go first just let the folks know if they're interested in reaching out to you uh Obviously, you're, you're slowing down here a little bit as some of the nor- or some of the Northerners have have gone back up. Um, let the folks know where you are and if they're interested in, in uh, connecting with you, how they can go about doing that.
0: The best two or three ways is uh, you can always call me by phone. Uh, my office phone is two three nine six four two two eight four zero. My email is uh, t. Elliot. That's uh, T E L L i-o-t-t at org, and uh, probably one of the best ways about golf instruction is where i hang out and uh, like to learn and talk about golf instruction is twitter and i'm uh at elliot golf pro that's two l's and two t's and elliot again and then uh golf pro and uh that's that's where i like to to talk uh instruction the most
1: perfect well said and and john um, where can the folks reach out to you if they want to, to, to learn how to play this great game a little bit better?
2: As always, I got a direct link to johnheesgolf.com. That's my dedicated website. You get a lot of information about me, the programs I have there. Um, I'm going to start reevaluating that and hopefully have a new site up here shortly. And mm-hmm. No hurry to do it. I just want to make sure it's good for everybody. My contact information is there. And if you happen to be at the TPC sawgrass course tomorrow i'll be giving free lessons at the north florida pga family fun zone probably hmm. between 11 and 4 o'clock based on how much traffic i've got to deal with in the morning so if you right. get out there and say <laughs> hello come on out and say hello and we'll share some more stories
1: sounds good um Again, thank you, gentlemen, for giving of your time tonight. I appreciate this on the Special coaches' Corner. Unfortunately, um, Scott Millman wasn't able to join us tonight and uh, we'll get him on the, the next time, but I appreciate you guys giving of your time as always. Uh, great discussion, great answers, and uh, please continue to, to keep doing the great work that you're doing out there. And, uh, and John, I, I want to reach out to you here actually in a, in a moment. I'm going to call you actually once we get off the air here. Um, something I wanted to, to Mentioned to you, but um, anyways, thank you guys for coming on uh, again. Appreciate it, and I look forward to having you join us uh, on the coach's Corner panel again in future shows. My thank you pleasure, for having me. I appreciate though. it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys, and and uh, thanks for tuning in. And I'll talk to you soon, John. I'll I'll be in touch with you in a few moments. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. That was my very special guests, uh, John Hughes and and uh, Todd Elliott, uh, both uh, great. Uh, uh, golf professionals and, and uh, certainly a lot of great work that they're doing out there to help uh, all of you um, get better, uh, better acquainted on, on how to navigate around the golf course. And uh, I always appreciate their, their thoughts and inputs and um, uh, into this game. Let me just remind everybody one last thing, as, as I said, I'm going to be closing off early tonight, but let me just remind everybody again, of course we have the uh, contest the golf talk live major champion couples contest. This is for couples uh, out there. Uh, and here's, I'm going to tell you uh, very quickly and what you have to do. Uh, as I mentioned in, in previous shows, we have a, uh, a contest going on here. It's actually going to be a draw and all you need to do is do this. Uh, you email golf talk live contest at gmail.com. And what you email is this. Um, I want you to select who you think is going to win Uh, The next three majors, uh, of course, coming up is the U.S. Open here in just a few weeks. Uh, The Open, or British Open as it referred to, and the PGA Championship. Uh, You can submit them all at once or you can submit them individually. I suggest do them individually because then you will give you three chances uh, at the uh, couples contest. And what you do is select who you think is going to win each of the upcoming events. You have until Friday of each of those events for that event. So in other words, if it's the U.S. Open coming up, uh, you have until midnight Friday for that submission uh, and conversely for the uh, British Open and the PGA Championship, uh, or you can send them in ahead of time. But Friday is going to be the cutoff for each of the events, so that way you can't cheat and, and just pick the winner on Monday. Uh, but submit your, your email uh, with all of your contact information, of course, uh, to golftalklivecontest@gmail.com. at gmail.com, who you think is going to win uh, the major, cont- or major uh, champion, uh, again, the U.S. Open, the British Open, and the PGA Championship. Submit it to Golf Talk Live contest at gmail.com, and what'll happen is I will go through all of the entries, and for each correct entry, um, that will go into the draw. And then the week following, the Thursday following on Golf Talk Live, my good friend Mr. Byron Casper will be joining me back on as as he helped me put this together, and we'll be doing a draw on that Thursday of who the winner is. And uh, here's what you're going to win: you'll win uh, one night at the bed and breakfast at the Hacienda Hotel in Old Town San Diego. Uh, and that'll also include golf or two at the Salt Creek Golf Club, also in the San Diego area. And then your second night is going to be two nights. Uh, the second night will be also at a, a different bed and breakfast uh, at the Palm Mountain Hotel and Spa. And uh, again, it'll be golf for the two of you at the Encina uh, Golf Club. And uh, also you'll uh, be included... Uh, will be lunch at the Old Town Tequila Factory, which will be hosted by, of course, Byron Casper. And Byron, of course, for most of you know who he is. Uh, he is the son of legendary uh, professional golfer Billy Casper. And Byron, of course, is uh, an international PJ member and instructor, uh, as well as... Uh, Uh, the son of uh, legendary Billy Casper. Uh, Included also in the prize is a copy of Billy Casper's last book, The Big Three and Me, where he talks about uh, many of uh, the areas uh, and journeys that he took along his uh, PGA uh, uh, Tour um, uh, victories and so forth, but also talks about how he stood up against the big three, which were Jack Nicklaus, Arnold Palmer, and, of course, Gary Player. And some great uh, anecdotes and stories in there as well. And he talks about some of the things that he did and how he played uh, to the level that he did. And of course, as most of you know, Billy Casper uh, was ranked among uh, within the top 10 all-time golfers. Uh, And just a a great legend of the game. uh, And a very giving individual as well. Uh, And the prize, of course, uh, is just in excess of about $1,000. The flight is not included. Just to let you know, this is open to all residents of uh, both canada and the u.s uh this particular contest is only available to uh, canadian or u.s residents only uh, as i said the flight is not included so you will have to uh, fly out to uh, san diego area but the the accommodations and uh, some great golf and of course lunch at the uh, old town tequila factory which uh, byron casper will be hosting is also included and as i said the uh, the book from uh Uh, the late Billy Casper, uh, the big three and me uh, will also be included in the prize. So uh, good luck, everybody. Please uh, keep your, your entries uh, coming in again, just submit your entries for each of the three major championships remaining. Uh, Some of you already submitted for the masters already, and thank you for that. Uh, But you can submit now for the, uh, and up to uh, the Friday of each of the, the upcoming major championships, the U S open, the open championship or British open as it's been referred to. And the PGA championship, you can submit those up into including Uh, midnight the Friday of each of the major championships and uh, we will go through the submissions and for every correct entry of who you think will win each of the majors uh, remaining in the year uh, will be entered into the draw and we will do a draw uh, at the Thursday following the PGA Championship and and on that note I want to thank everybody again for tuning in tonight I want to particularly thank all of the listeners from around the world for faithfully tuning into Golf Talk Live each and every week. And as I say all the time, I I truly do enjoy doing this program. It gives me a lot of pleasure and enjoyment of having a number of highly talented coaches, teacher professionals uh, like John and Todd and, and of course, Scott uh, on the show, and a number of authors and entrepreneurs that stop by. It's really through their participation and guest appearances that have helped make Golf Talk Live a first-class show. So, again, thank you to all of you for uh, for listening, and thank you to uh, my very special guests each and every week. Uh, Special thanks to, of course, the sponsors and some of the supporters of the show. Mr. Jonathan Laird uh, goes without saying. He's the uh, uh, editor and owner of South Coast Golf Guide, a great publication here in the southeastern part of the United States. Uh, Go to southcoastgolfguide.com and you can request a copy of the guide be sent out to you if you're planning on coming down, uh, whether it be Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, anywhere in the southeastern part of the United States, if you go to most of the Uh, main uh, golf uh, destinations, they will uh, carry it. If not, you can go to South Coast Golf Guide and uh, give you an an idea of where some of them are located. And I believe Edwin Watts and some of the the major uh, golf outlets are carrying it as well in this area as well. But if for some reason if you're not planning on coming down uh, until uh, next winter, if uh, you're a snowbird, uh, go to South Coast Golf Guide and uh, request a copy be sent to you. Uh, Jonathan will send it out to you as well. Uh, and you can get an idea of some of the great courses there. It has all the information how to contact them if you want to book a tee time. It tells you a little bit about the course and gives you uh, some pictures as well what the course looks like if you've never played. Uh, but some great tracks uh, here in the southeastern part of the United States, covering from virtually from Texas right over here to the uh, northwest uh, part of Florida and and uh, many of the states in between Louisiana um, and uh, Mississippi and, of course, Alabama and uh, Florida. Also, a uh, special thank you to Meredith Kirk of Meredith Kirk Golf. Go to MeredithKirk.com and learn uh, more about uh, Meredith as well. Uh, she was a 2014 Mrs. South uh, Carolina uh, winner and uh, wore that crown very well. And she's just a great uh, a teacher professional as well. And uh, you can go to MeredithKirk.com to learn more about her. And she's in the Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina area. So if you want to uh, connect with her and, and get her to help you with your game in that area, uh, you can reach out to Meredith at meredithkirk.com. Uh, and also to another great uh, golf professional, Nikki Litherland, he and his wife, Tiffany, uh, thank you for all of your help in, in spreading the word and, and, uh, and getting it out there on the show. I appreciate all of your uh, great words. And I know I've mentioned this in the past and I've just been extremely busy. Uh, I've been tough uh, getting Nikki on the show here. Uh, he's indicated he does want to come on the show, but it's just been uh, scheduling conflict. So I am going to get him on here. I promise. Uh, of course, Nikki and Tiffany originally from uh, Australia, originally from Down Under, and uh, now live over here in the United States. And uh, He's a great uh, golf professional, and we want to get him on the show here. But as I said, we're just trying to work out the, uh, the details and get a, a schedule and a date that's uh, good for him as well. Uh, also, Mr. Bernie Pinder from Ontic Golf. Uh, Bernie is the founder and owner, uh, president and CEO of, of Ontic Golf www.ontickgolf.com. Uh, and ontic Golf, as I've mentioned many, many times, is uh, a great custom line of, of uh, putters that uh, Mr. Bernie Pinder has designed and created. And, and I'm, uh, of course, the recipient of, of one that he's given to me. And it's just a great, uh, a great uh, product. And uh, so go to onticgolf.com If you want to find out more, you can actually purchase a putter uh, directly online through the online store. And Bernie will be more than happy to uh, to ship that out to you and and uh, and discuss with you some of the customizations that can be done with uh, Ontic golf putters. So go to onticgolf.com. Mr. Sean Kelly, of course, the owner of linkedgolfers.com, uh, a great website that uh, showcases many of the great uh, information that you can find in the golf industry from all over the world. Uh, Sean, of course, is manages the Linked uh, Golfers. Uh, Group on which is the largest uh, golf group on LinkedIn, which is a huge social business social um, media network. And he's taken that, of course, out uh, his business. And you can go to linkedgolfers.com, find some great information there as well. Uh, Also, Peter Doyle from Doyle Golf Solutions from Ireland. Thank you. He's a great uh, teacher professional, great club fitter as well. Uh, Thank you, Peter, for all of your continued support from uh, Ireland. Uh, Always a a pleasure to have you uh, say some kind words uh, about the, the show as well. Uh, On behalf of my special guest tonight, uh, John Hughes and uh, Todd Elliott, thank you very much for tuning in to uh, Golf Talk Live, and I will see you next Thursday right here uh, on Golf Talk Live at 6 p.m. Central. Thanks for joining in, guys. God bless and have a great week.